A week ago Friday, we had a family tragedy. Our, my grandson, Annie's, one of the twins, Will, Will, went home to be with Jesus. Most of you know about that. And uh, I just want to say thank you for praying for us, for the cards, for the emails, for the support in a thousand different ways. We have really felt carried by your love and um, God's expressions through you. So I just want to say thank you. And you'll hear, you'll hear a lot more about Will today. So um, could we stand together in honor of God's word? Matthew chapter 13, verse number 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, would you open our hearts to who you are, to your great love, to your amazing presence. Lord, help us to behold the treasure of intimacy with you. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the whole series is Finding Joy. This is, um, every January I do the four values of City Church. Last week Joel did Come As You Are. This week is Connecting With God, although I've entitled it Delighting in God. But the whole series is around our mission statement. You can, you can read it right on the front of the bulletin or on the back wall here. Finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing it. That's our mission. That's, that's what we want. Why are we doing all that we want? This is what we want for every single one of you and for us communally. We want to find that joy that is hidden in Christ. Now here's the secret. We don't really need the second part of it. Finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing it. You don't really need the second part. If you get the first part, you'll share. It, it, this guy finds this treasure and for joy, he hides it, sells everything. He's so excited about what he found. You can't help but share it. You can't help but tell others. It's like you, you watch this amazing movie or you read this amazing book. Part of the experience is, is finding somebody to share it with. And so it's really, it's, I've titled today, Delighting in God. You get this and everything else will flow from it. This uh, week we had fasting and prayer week and Friday night, we did freedom and healing, and uh, we had the celebration supper. It was a great, great service, and after the service, I went down and had some pizza and some soup and some salad and some fellowship, and it was great, and when I got done, I, I, Alice is still down in Guadalajara, so I'm here alone, but I'm, I'm getting ready to go home, so I come back up here to get my coat in my office. Something's going on in the sanctuary. So I go into the sanctuary. They haven't stopped worshiping. 
It's Christy and Curtis and Kelly are still leading worship. There are three people here still in the congregation and me. And so I'm like, wow. So I sit down back there. And honestly, folks, it was like I sat down in heaven. The glory of God was resting in this place. What it brought me back to was, was years ago, decades ago, when I was in Pensacola and in Toronto and feeling the manifest glory of God. And it, it's funny with the presence of God, because I don't know if everybody that was here was feeling that, although when Maureen Birkeland came out, I could tell she did, because she's just weeping, just like, I, I, I miss this, I have to have this. Um, but people ask me, Pastor Tom, how will we know if revival comes? What does revival even look like? Well, let me tell you a little about what revival looks like. When God pours out his presence in tremendously manifest ways, what will happen is at 1230 when I dismiss, people won't leave. They'll go down and get their kids, <laughs> but they'll bring them back up here. We, the service won't start at 11. And the reason why is because everybody will already be here at a quarter to 11, and we might as well start because the place is packed. Let's just start worship. In the fall of 1996, we went down to Pensacola, and we waited in line. And this is, this is a weeknight. We waited in line eight hours to get into church. And we were not the ones that were waiting the longest. There had been people there way longer than us, and here's why I know it. We were the last people to get into the sanctuary. And the only reason we got in was because I was a pastor. <laughs> and everybody else had to go to overflow rooms, other places. The glory of God poured out the intimacy of God, the presence of God, for joy, people sell everything. They'll do anything. People had come from all over the country to experience what God was doing. Delighting in God. I've only got two points this morning. Number one, we were created and redeemed to delight in God. The way this thing began was in Eden, a place called Eden. Do you know what Eden means? Eden means delight. Did you know that you were created to be God's delight and that God would be our, your delight? That's what we were created for. So the fall, the, the, the fall into sin is a fall from delight. That's a, it's very important to understand that because if you don't understand that, you won't understand what we're redeemed for. Why did Jesus come? Why did he die? Why did he raise again? He came to restore that relationship where we find our delight in God and we know that God finds his delight in us. Listen to John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. One of the verses we use a lot here is, is Romans 6, 23, because it so concisely gives the gospel. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So eternal life is this gift that we receive. 
But that gift is not just forgiveness of our sins and a place in heaven. Thank God it includes forgiveness of sins and a place in heaven. But that's not all it is. It is a restoration of relationship. This knowing is not know about. This is the experiential knowing of God. That Jesus came and part of our salvation, part of eternal life, is to be restored in that relationship of delight. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is your highest call. This is my highest call. Not, not to do whatever ministry you're doing or doing whatever job you're doing or go to whatever country you're going to go. That's not the highest call. The highest calling is into fellowship with Jesus Christ. He's called us into fellowship. The most you can do with your service is please God or displease God. The only way you can delight him is with your fellowship. <clears throat> this is the highest call. Why is that? Well, delight, the word delight means to be greatly pleased in something. To be greatly pleased. We see this at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and a voice comes from heaven. And the Father says this, this is my son in whom is my delight. Now the funny thing about it is, is Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. He hasn't cast out any demons. He hasn't preached anybody. He hasn't healed anybody. It was about this relationship we must view our assignment or our horizontal calling as an outflow of our fellowship with him. Here's Acts 17, 25. And he, speaking of God, is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. I hope this is not a disappointment to you. But God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you to do stuff. God could do it all by himself. It would, it would actually be easier if he did it all by himself, if he did everything that needs to be done all by himself. So the idea that our value to God is that we're going to do this great thing for God, guys, that's off the table. That's just off the table. The greatest thing we give God is us. It's our fellowship. It's who we are. Then God chooses, because he wants to, partner with us in the horizontal. But the best way to think about your, your assignment in this world as a mom or as a dad or as an employee or employer or uh, as a missionary or as a witness, the best way to think about it, I, I love Song of Songs 1-4 because it says it all in one verse. Draw me after you. That's intimacy. That's relationship. And let us run together. That's ministry. It's you and God, not you doing it for God, but you doing it with God. You and God doing it together. This is the, the, the works that please God are those that are done, that spring from fellowship. That's point one. Here's point two. 
And remember, I only have two points. So this is our last point. How to delight in God. Number one, believe that it is his delight to love you. You know, this one sounds so easy, doesn't it? But I don't know, especially in America, we, are, we tend to be human doings. And it's very hard to grab a hold of God delighting to love us just for us. Psalm 18, 19, David says this, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He rescued me because he greatly was pleased with me. David is the picture of the, he's the, called the man after God's heart. He's the one that wrote most of the Psalms. Why was he the man after God's heart? Why did, was David so convinced God's delight in him? Because David was just everything he lived in life. He lived with God. He lived his pain. He lived his frustration. He lived his hope. He lived his sadness. Everything's in those Psalms of, of David communing. David is with God. David is in fellowship with God, and he is convinced that he is the delight of God. So uh, let me tell you a little about Will. So Josh and Ann almost lost Will at six months. He, uh, he had a seizure, and they didn't know if he would come back, and he came back, and they rushed him to the hospital, and they did a bunch of tests, and they... They did an MRI of Will, and they found out that half of his brain wasn't there. And the doctor was stunned. The doctor was, I cannot believe this baby goes with this MRI. This MRI says he would, he's either spastic or frozen. I don't know. And so Will was our miracle. Will was our, our miracle baby because he was behind. He had a floating eye. He... he to crawl, he kind of pulled one leg along, but he was our miracle. And they, they gave him seizure medication, and um, he, he hadn't had a seizure since July. He, he, he kept getting better in every way. In fact, two days before he died, he stood by himself for six seconds. Amazing. But I got to spend a month with Will in... Uh, in September to October, he was, they were, Josh and Ann and the family, they lived with us while they were at the missions conference and Beth's wedding, and so we were all together. And When Will was down in uh, Guadalajara, he had to do physical therapy that was very painful for him to do. And, but Ann said, uh, Dad, um, The only reason I don't have a picture of Will is because I can't look at pictures of him without crying right now. I couldn't have a picture. Annie made this, is making a 2020 calendar with all pictures of Will. I said, honey, are you kidding me? You want me to cry all year long? Every single day I have to look at Will and cry? I don't know why, guys, but I was a delight to Will. He would come across that he would see me, and he would come across that living room. He would do everything he could to get to me. He did this. He did this a hundred times that month easily. And Annie said, "Will doesn't need physical therapy while he's here, Dad, because he's 
he, he, he's working all the time to get to you. I remember very specifically one day I came down to sit on the couch. It was just one of those days, I don't know if you've ever had these days where you're just kind of feeling bad, just feeling old, feeling just bad. And here comes little Will. He sees me, and he starts plowing his way over, dragging that leg along as he's crawling, gets his hands on me and lifts it up, and I lift him up, and he's so delighted in me, and I didn't earn it. It was just so, so pure. And I'm like, oh, my This is how God loves us. I'm always the first one up, usually downstairs at very early hours having my devotions. Will was always the second one up. And so Ann would get him up, give him a bottle, change his diaper, and then bring him down to me. And so I would see them coming down, and Will would see me, and he would start squealing with delight, start reaching his hands out. And then he would sit right next to me, well, and I would read out loud to him. I'd read the devotions out loud, and he'd just sit there. It's amazing. When Annie asked for twins, here's what she said to God. I want a baby to hold all the time, and then I want to have one to share. And Jack always wants mom to hold him, always. And Will will go to anybody. Will will hug on everybody. Turned out I was not the only one that Will delighted in. God was using Will everywhere. Will was God's little flower. We, we had him here for a little while, and we enjoyed his beauty. We enjoyed his fragrance before God took him. Annie has made many posts about Will on Facebook, and one of them talks about how blessed Will's life was. That every single day, everybody that saw Will loved him and would speak over him how precious he was. Every day, you are so precious. You are so precious. So... I came back on Wednesday, and Jesus, Will's other grandpa, gave me a ride to the airport. It was just him and me, and, and uh, he talked about how Will— lo- it turned out I wasn't the only one that Will had special love for. Oh, my. Jesus said that when I would hug Will, it was like our hearts were together as one. And His name for Will was most— precious. And he said a few days before Will Will went home, he tried to kiss Jesus, but he didn't know how to kiss. So he just opened his mouth and moved in. (laughs) So I have a question for you. When did you stop hearing that you were precious? 
Oftentimes we stop hearing it when we're in middle school. (laughs) But maybe you never heard it. Maybe you never heard it. Listen. You are most precious to God. This is what he is speaking over you. And, And there's something funny when you hear it. When you see yourself as precious and valuable and a delight, you want to live differently. You want to be better. You want to sell everything and have this because it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. You were created and redeemed to be the delight of God. You are precious to him. Whatever this world has told you, I want you to know that God is speaking over you. Most precious. How do we delight in God? First, we believe that it's God's delight to love us. Second, we believe in the gospel. This is Genesis 21, 6 and 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? So Sarah's son, she names Isaac. Isaac means laughter. And she says, she's excited about telling other people the story because everybody that hears it is going to laugh. Because, here's why. Two reasons. One, she's too old to have kids. She is past child-rearing age. And she was barren to start with. So she's never had kids, couldn't have kids. Even if she could have had kids earlier, she's past the age where she could have kids. So it's, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that this has happened. And second, they're going to laugh because Sarah didn't ask for it. I mean, she probably asked for it early on. They probably begged God for children. But that, that time is long past She's accepted her fate. God has initiated it. God has come to her and given her a promise for this son. And if you read the story, she barely believes it. I mean, everybody's going to laugh because this was was God's grace and mercy. This wasn't about Sarah being great. Nobody's going to hear that story and say, Sarah, you are awesome. No, they're going to say, oh my, who is this God that did this? This is stunning. This is the goodness of God. What does that story have to do with us? Everything. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. In the whole book of Galatians, Paul's trying to explain what the gospel is. He's trying to explain the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how the gospel works and what the gospel is. And in chapter 4, he draws on these two women, Hagar and Sarah, and she says, he says, these two women represent two covenants. Hagar represents the old covenant, the covenant of law. And her son Ishmael 
represents all those that are born the natural way, born the regular way, born the way that makes sense to us. It's about good people trying to be good, trying to be better, and and that was what Ishmael, that's all the old covenant can produce is people that are performance-oriented, people that are trying to be good people, trying to be better people, and that's, that's all the old covenant can produce is Ishmael. And, but, but God is giving nothing to Ishmael. Ishmael doesn't get any of the inheritance because God ordained it through Sarah. Sarah represents the new covenant. And Isaac represents those that are born in the new covenant. They are born not the natural way, not the way that makes sense to us. They are born by just believing a promise. They are supernaturally born, and they are given this inheritance just because they believe. You brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are born of a promise. You're born because you believed a promise. This is how God set it up. That the gospel would not be about our performance, but it would be about his performance. It wouldn't be about our goodness. It would be about his goodness. That we would come in by believing and our name, part of everybody's name is laughter. Because when you realize what the gospel is, it makes you laugh. God took those that were his enemies, those who were in rebellion, those who had sinned against him, those who had deserved death, and he decided to come die for them so that he could first forgive them, then adopt them, then leave them the inheritance of heaven, give everything to his kids. That is the gospel. And when it's rightly understood, it fills you with joy. Why? (laughs) Because it's, you realize this, this is what life is about. It's not about time, it's about eternity. It's about being right with God. It's about God coming and making us the beloved. It's about heaven coming and living inside of us so that it can express love and joy and beauty. It's amazing. So I have taught about the treasure hidden in a field the wrong way many, many, many times. Here's how I took it. So The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And so you can come to church and not see the treasure because the treasure is hidden. And that's why we need to seek God. We need to seek God because it's not obvious what is ours. And we need to seek him to find it. Here's, and and I'm all for seeking God. We'll talk about contending for God as our last thing. But that's not what this is about. That's not what this parable is about. The guy's not looking for treasure. He's just walking along. The treasure finds him. He's just walking along, and all of a sudden, whoop, treasure. He sees this treasure. He didn't seek it. He wasn't looking for it. He found it as a surprise. But his response, once he stumbles on this thing, 
is what has to speak to us. The value of what he has. He first, he hides it again. Why? He's trying to protect it. Then what does he do? Sell everything so I can have this. Why? If I have that treasure, I'm a multi-billionaire. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm a billionaire if I have this treasure. For, and not just for time, for all eternity. <laughs> this is the treasure. This is what needs to be. Sell everything else. If you see it rightly, guys, if you see it rightly, but you can't make somebody else see the treasure. They just have to stumble into it. And it's like, oh my, God loves me. Jesus died for me. He wants to save me. He wants to adopt me. He wants to make me his own. He wants to, oh my. And the right response to that is, I'm going to now realign my entire life around this treasure. But I can't, I can't make you see the treasure. But maybe you're stumbling on it today. Who knows? We'll have a chance to respond if you are. Believing the gospel. The gospel is God's plan to restore delight. And he made it about his grace instead of about our works. And then lastly, to delight in God, you have to trust God and his goodness when you don't understand him. So I had the privilege of speaking a week ago at Will's funeral. We were, they decided to have the, the funeral at uh, the compound. There's this big, up on top of the hill is this beautiful large room that they have their classes that they, they teach and Bible studies. And, and so they had that all set up for this. And uh, Anastasia, Will's aunt, had made pictures that she had clipped on strings of Will. Probably, I don't know, maybe 400 pictures of Will are hanging all over this place. And I come in early last Sunday morning, and um, I can't, I, I, every time I see one, there's the worship music going on in there, and I, every time I look at one of those pictures, I just start bawling. And, and, and then they've got Will's casket. It's an open casket, so Will is right there. Josh, is, Will's dad, is kneeling in front of him. And I'm walking up and down, and I'm, and I'm saying to God, we weren't ready. We weren't ready for you to take Will. You took him before we were ready. I want you to know that we were not ready. I am not. I didn't even get to see him alive again. We we're not ready, and that's why this is so painful. And the Lord spoke to me. And here's what he said. I am trusting you to trust me. That was the sentence. That was the one sentence. And when he said that, it just came to my mind. I knew it was God, and here's why. There was an, I, I knew a number of things all at once. How did I know them? I have no idea, but I just knew them. That if God was going to get us ready to let go of Will, Will would have had to go on through unbelievable pain. 
For us to be at the place where we, where we would say with our own volition, God either heal Will or take Will, that would have meant a lot of pain for Will. The way Will went, the night before he died, he, he, was, he had a little cold. He was a little stuffed up, but nothing, nothing to be concerned about. He went to bed that night. He woke up at 3, and he snuggled with both Josh and Ann. They had a time of just snuggling with him. Went back to bed. 5 o'clock, he woke up with a fever. And they, they give him this seizure medicine twice a day, but when there's a fever, that's when they have to, it's most dangerous. So they have this special seizure medicine. They immediately give it to him exactly the way they were supposed to. And then Will was gone. Will was just gone. And the Lord said, I'm trusting you to trust me. It was either Will was going to have to be in pain to get you ready, or you carry that pain instead of Will. And trust me with it. Trust my goodness. I am trusting you to trust me with things right now I cannot I cannot explain to you. But either Will was going to suffer or you were going to suffer because he was taken so quickly. So here was the text that I preached the funeral. It's, it's uh, John chapter 2, 23 through 25. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he he knew what was in each person's heart. Just because God loves you does not mean he trusts you. Just because you believe in him and are one of his children does not mean that he has gained your trust. Many were believing in him, but he wasn't trusting them. Now, by the end of his ministry, he had 11 disciples that he said, I'm no longer calling you servants, I'm calling you friends. Uh, They had gained his trust. We gain trust with God. And, And you really... You can't delight in God without trusting him with those things that you can't understand. Philippians 3, verse 10. That I may know him. This is Paul. That I may know him. Once again, the word there, know, is experiential. Experiential know, intimacy. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. I believe Jesus can raise the dead. I believe it's never too late for Jesus. After Will left, Josh and Ann called the hospital and they sent out an emergency vehicle. But if you knew where Josh and Ann lived, they live crazy, these crazy roads to get up to their compound. So they get in the car and they say, we'll meet the emergency vehicle on the highway. So, so they take the car, they get to the highway, emergency vehicle comes, 
They look at Will, they examine Will there, and they say, we're not, we're not going to do anything. He's gone. He's just gone. There's nothing we can do. So you need to stay here until the coroner comes and pronounces him as dead. Emergency vehicle leaves. Anne calls me. She's weeping. And I say, honey, Mom and I are, are you just hold Will. Mom and I are going to pray for resurrection. And we prayed for an hour. We prayed in tongues. We prayed loud. We prayed soft. We begged. We proclaimed. We, I must have told Will to wake up a hundred times. Why? Because he's the God of resurrection. There's nothing too difficult for him. God can raise the dead. Whatever might have been wrong, whatever, if we didn't do everything perfect, it's okay. God can raise the dead, so it doesn't matter. Don't overthink it. God can raise the dead. But he didn't. So we come to the funeral. And I know that here, many of you participated in this, that uh, Anne had said, you know, Will was dead for two days at that time. Well, Lazarus was dead for four. So the idea that it's beyond God now because two days have passed, it's just not true. And so Anne said, uh, this was the plan at the beginning. At the, at the end of the funeral, Anne was going to come up. There was going to be a song on the resurrection, and we were together going to give God one last chance to, to wake Will up. And so I told the people, I said, I don't know why God didn't heal Will in this life. But I know this. I know he's healed now. And I know that if he wakes up, when we tell him to wake up, he's going to come back healthy. He's going to, his eyes will see, he'll have a full brain. And that will be his story. He will be a story of resurrection. He'll be a story of God's healing. He'll be a story of God's power. And that will be his story. And I know you guys, many of you participated here, will wake up with us. Some of you didn't, and I totally get why you wouldn't. I, the whole thing's a little weird. I, I have never been involved in anything like it. I, but I became okay with it. It's, it's okay. Annie was not trying to hold on to him. She was just like, if this is God's story for Will, then I don't want to stop believing. <laughs> Women raised back, they're dead. And if that's Will's story, then that's his story. Well, we, we, we gave it our, our best shot, didn't we? But Will's story is a little different. Will was a burning, shining light for a little while. Did you know that that's all all of us can be, really? <laughs> if you look at eternity and see time, the most you can be is just like John the Baptist. This is John 5.35. John was a burning, shining lamp for a little while. That's, that's all any of us can be. And that was Will's testimony. So, while Will was alive, I had to have God hold Will's healing in his hands. I, I couldn't heal Will. And I knew how vulnerable he was. So I just, God, I can't, overthink it. You are the healer. You've got to hold will. You've got to heal will. Well, now will's healed, and now I have a second dilemma. I can't heal myself. I can't figure out my own pain. I can't figure out my own loss. 
And so now I have to have God hold my stuff. I get to hold him, but he holds my pain and he holds my healing for me. And guys, he's inviting all of us to let him hold our our pain and our confusion and everything that hasn't worked out. See, here's why Jesus didn't trust them. Because he knew human nature. As long as he's doing miracles, everybody believes. Why? Because that's the kind of God we want. That just, he makes our life better because he does a bunch of miracles for us. And he just makes everything better. And we, it's just human nature if I'm pursuing my own life, my own happiness, and if God helps, then come on in. But as soon as God doesn't do it my way, as soon as something happens that I don't understand, human nature is, uh, okay, I'm done with that. And that's why Jesus didn't trust them. I'm in as long as it works for me. And as soon as it doesn't work, as soon as God does something that I don't like, then I'm out. This is just, it's just very human. But here's what it ends up with, guys. We end up with a God of our own making. We end up, we we delight in God, but it's a God that's very small. He's the one that does whatever we want him to do, and he's at our back and command, and it has to work out. I want to I want to close with the real the real God. Look at Romans chapter 11 verse 33. Oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God's unfathomable to us, guys. He's revealed some things about himself through creation, through through Jesus coming, through the scripture. He's revealed some things, but who God is in himself, there's no one like him. He's, he's in a category of one. He's unfathomable. So the idea that some things are going to happen in our lives that we cannot fathom or figure out, that's just going to be part of this life. And when God can't take away pain, because he does not willingly afflict the sons of men, when he can't, in his wisdom and goodness, take away pain, what he'll do is he'll carry it for you and he'll heal you and he'll turn it around for your good. That's who he is. We have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. So this is 11, Romans eleven thirty three about how unfathomable his ways are and unfathomable his judgments. Let me tell you what the verse before it is because this is the gospel. This is Romans eleven thirty two. Here's what it says. That God has given the entire human race over to disobedience so that he might show mercy to all. 
God has put us all under, because of sin, we're all in disobedience. But Jesus came and died for us all so that through the gospel, God can have mercy. And so if this is you today, The Bible says it this way. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he'll come in. If somehow you're here today and you have stumbled into the treasure, you've seen something that you haven't seen about the love of God. You, you are willing to own that you're perform- you could never earn your way to God. You've sinned against God. You deserve death. We all deserve death. But God came to redeem you. He came to have mercy on you. And if he's here right now and he's knocking on your heart and you want to open that door and say, God, I want forgiveness, I want heaven, and I want that relationship that you're offering me. If that's what you want right now, um, I have every head bowed because it's between you and God. The reason I'm going to have you raise your hands is because I have a prayer I pray to, to open the door that I pray with people because somebody helped me pray. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking, and you want to open that door, would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it? See that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand, and that hand and that hand. God bless you. And that hand over there. And that hand here. And that hand over there. And this hand up here. God bless you. I see the hands in the balcony over there. God bless you. If you raised your hand, would you just slip it over your heart right now and pray something like this? You can use these words or your own words. It doesn't really matter. The power of this is that Jesus promised it. Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I have disobeyed, that I've gone my own way, done my own thing. But Lord, I also acknowledge that you love me and you came and you died on the cross for me. You call me precious. You called me most precious and you paid the very highest price for me by shedding your blood for me. And you rose again from the dead and today you're in this building. I don't know how, I don't even know how it works, but I know this, you're knocking, you're knocking on my door. And God, right now, by faith, I want to open my door and I want to say yes. Come in, save me, forgive me, give me heaven, adopt me, make me who you want me to be. Give me that joy by which my whole life is about selling everything else so that I can have you. (laughs) That you are the one that needs above all things to be honored, valued, and protected. Save me, God. Good save me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand to our feet? I know that when I share my pain that it immediately the Holy Spirit touches your pain. The thing about pain is when you hold it in and when you make it part of your identity, it, it will hold you, it will speak to you, it will keep you. 
And I know that it feels like if I let go of my pain, I'm letting go of that thing I lost. I'm letting go of that person. That part of why I hold this pain is because I love them. And I, and I listen, Jesus is anointed to give us his beauty for our ashes. There, there has to be an exchange where we give him all of the hurt and loss and pain and disappointment of yesterday. And we say, Jesus... I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened. All I know is that I got really, really, really hurt. And that you're asking for my hurt right now. You want to make me a friend. You want to make me somebody that you trust. And so I want to trust you at another level than I ever have before. I want to give you my pain, my hurt, my loss, my disappointment. And I want you to, to make me your friend. So if that's you, would you just open your hands like this to the Lord? Lord, you know every loss, every heartbreak, every child, every grandchild, every spouse, every divorce, every unanswered prayer, every animal that's died, every, there's so much pain that we walk through down here. And Lord, I think part of the reason why we put our hands open like this is it's, it's the position of surrender to say, God, untie my pain. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you to, to carry my pain and then to heal my heart. Give me your beauty. And then this amazing promise, guys, it's in 2 Corinthians 1, that the God of all comfort will comfort us in our afflictions. And then he will turn us around and we will bring the same comfort that we've received, the same healing we've received, and we'll bring that to others. We, will, we are now healers because we've been healed. We're now comforters because we've been comforted. And we go out into this world that is so filled with pain. And many of them don't want anybody close to them. Don't talk about that because anything brings up that pain. It's just like a wound that they, and they, they, they bury themselves and somebody has to go to them with the gentleness and the love and the healing of Jesus Christ. And sometimes just sit with them. This is what many, many, many have done with us and with Josh and Ann. Just come and sit with us. Just come and pray with us. Just, just be. There's something about human God using human kindness to heal us with his love. And so, Father, heal us, carry us, and then send us. So we're going to leave the lights down. We're not going to have ministry teams. And I'm, we're just going to make this a place of worship. And if you can hang out with God... For a while, just fellowship with him. You can join the worship. You come to the front. I'll be kneeling down here. If you want to come down and kneel at the altar, you're welcome to do that. Please get your kids. <laughs> but you can go get them and bring them back up here and be just be with us for a while if you want to. God bless you.